Welcome to the Association of Insurance Compliance Professionals podcast. AICP serves the insurance compliance community by promoting relationships, exchanging information, and providing learning opportunities within a dynamic regulatory environment. You're listening to Compliance with an Insurance Company's Claims Area with Karen Pollitt and Christine Pruding. Karen is a seasoned insurance compliance and product professional with over 30 years of experience dedicated to this work. She is Assistant Vice President of Product Development for the Accident and Health Division at Access Capital. She is also the National Vice President of AICP, presently serving on the National Board of Directors. A 15-year member of AICP, she has served the organization in numerous leadership roles. Christine is Head of Claims at Access Accident and Health and brings more than 30 years of diversified and progressive management experience within the insurance industry. Before joining Access, Christine was Claims Manager of Accident and Health for Fairmont, where she managed the oversight of internal claims staff as well as third-party administrators. Christine was also claims manager for the Northeast Regional One Center for Great West Life. During her tenure with GWL, Christine guided a staff of over 200 employees responsible for the day-to-day claims operations, auditing, training, customer service, and plan building. She has demonstrated an ability to identify deficiencies and drive results. Christine is currently the co-chair for the Health and Long-Term Care Committee, member of the Marketing and Membership Committee, and Fraud Education and Development Team for the International Claims Association, and current board member and president of the Eastern Claims Conference. Hi, we want to take this time to welcome Chris Pruding, head of Accident and Health Claims at Axis Capital today. Chris, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Karen. I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Yes, compliance within the claims area. I know this is a discussion that is something that the AICP has wanted to broach for quite some time, uh, being that the claims area, much like the compliance area, is regulated. And there's also some, some collaboration that often happens between the claims and the compliance departments at the insurance companies. Wouldn't you agree? Totally agree. There's a lot of interdependencies going on, and we definitely rely heavily on compliance and the compliance staff to make sure that claims are are adjudicated appropriately, timely, and so many other services and support that the compliance areas always provide to us. Yes, a lot of different areas or categories. I know I often, in in the work I do presently in policy drafting to make sure that the wording used would be correct and and not confusing when it comes time for claims adjudication. I know I often uh, reach out to yourself and and your staff uh, at AXIS, statutory reporting, we've we've crossed paths and, and had to rely on each other, training and education as it relates to fraud, uh, regulatory updates, it, it goes on and on the complaint process. And then there's some some specifics that relate specifically to the to the claims area in terms of uh, regulation and compliance. And we're, we're going to attempt to touch base on all those areas today in our conversation. That sounds terrific. So f- first question, and this more or less has to do with training and education. Uh, how would you say that uh, your claims department is assisted by a a compliance team with uh, conducting effective training and education? 
Well, if they were not to provide us with the education that so many different states require, uh, as you know, we're heading into the California SIU annual fraud training as a company and our business associates that we utilize for claims payment, they must also take this. If we do not take the annual fraud training or new hire training, we are subject to fines and penalties, number one, by the state of California. I know New York also has its own training. Uh, but the actual training in and of itself helps out the claims team to identify red flags, whether it's at a member level, a provider level, during the normal course of adjudicating and reviewing claims. It's, it's important because fraud is the number one drain on finances throughout the industry. Mm. And we have to be prepared and be vigilant to, to protect our policies and to protect, yeah. uh, you know, to protect what benefits are issued, the experience under the policy. So the, the fraud training is, is important. Yeah, that, that is a big piece at, at any company. Right. And the other piece that is big as well, which also rolled out mainly from California, is the fair claims practices training as well. Each each claim must be reviewed on its own merit. It has to be given a full and fair review. So making sure that the members have a, a level playing field, so to speak, with regards to submitting claims, that they're not just arbitrarily denied for unfounded reasons. So it, it, it seems it's important that there are effective lines of communication. So what are some examples of effective lines of commun communication uh, that the compliance team provides to the claims department? The bulletins, uh, regulatory bulletins that come out, any changes in statutory requirements, any changes in how we perceive benefits to have to be paid, our internal compliance department is very good. They're very proactive with getting uh, information on a statewide basis out to us as bulletins are issued, making sure that we understand the intent of the bulletins or whatever the Department of Insurance has handed down uh, as it applies to the different lines of business. As you know, we are in the accident health business. So there are times that the regulatory bulletins that are issued by a state may not necessarily apply to us. But when it does, we want to make sure that we understand it. So if we have any questions with regards to the intent, the compliance department is always there to take the time to explain it to us if there are any questions or if we receive questions from our third party administrators. And a lot of times I've, I've noticed uh, in some of these, these directives uh, from the insurance department, there's some data calls. So you'll have to assemble data. What, what types of data might you, you have to assemble for those kinds of calls? So different states have different um, types of requests on any given basis. My department will assist corporate compliance with providing data. Most recently, as an example, uh, Ohio requests a prompt pay report for the process for Ohio state claimants during July, August, and September, which is usually due in October. So they want to know how many how many claims were processed for somebody who resides in Ohio. Were they processed within 
the state's prompt pay uh, guidelines, um, how many were outside, how many were denied. So we would cobble together this data uh, from on our block of business and provide that to the state. That's just one type of data call that we would do. And there's different varying ones throughout the, uh, throughout the year. I know we also coordinate for some other states. There's an annual data request that is for about six or seven different states. And again, they'd like to know how many claims did you pay? How many did you receive? Did you pay them within a, you know, timely guidelines? How many were denied? How many second level appeals did you receive? Things like that. So there's a lot of uh, statutory reporting and uh, collaboration between the companies and the, and the carriers in that regard then. Exactly. In, in terms of compliance specific claims and, and, and claims oversight, how do you ensure that claims are being settled fairly and within a timely manner? according to state and federal laws and regulation? So I'd like to break that into uh, two sections and we'll talk about timely, um, timely prompt pay of the claims. We work with third-party administrators who process claims on behalf of our company. And our team has oversight with regards to reporting on a monthly basis. Many of the states require that claims, clean claims, are processed within anywhere from 30 to 45 days, or it could be less depending upon the mechanism in which they submit the claim. Some states, if they're doing prescription claims that are sent electronically, some states I think even have uh, like a 15-day turnaround because they're electronic and they should be handled quickly. So on a monthly basis, the third-party administrators are sending us data reports. How many claims did you process and in what buckets? Did you process them between 0 to 15? Did you process them between you know, 16 to 30, 31 to 45, and 45 plus? In fact, just today, I was reviewing a TPA's file, and at this point, they have virtually all their claims are under 30 days. They have a little bit of an inventory. All of that, again, was under 30 days. So we asked for two things. How many claims did you process and in one buckets? And that's number one. And then number two, what's your month end inventory and what buckets are they falling into? And if they start to climb in aging or volume, we reach out and say, what's going on? What, what are your contributing factors? What are you looking to do to bring this back in line? The TPAs also know that if they are paying claims in excess of state prompt pay laws, they have to review that state for any penalties. There are interest penalties that need to be paid. Some states want every dime, every nickel. Some states will say, hey, you don't have to send us any interest payment unless it's over $2. So the TPAs are fully aware. They know what the state prompt pay guidelines are. We review. We also review to see if they've paid the appropriate interest. If they're getting into the point that they're paying interest, we need to know what's going on because no claim should be paid late. So that's one way that we uh, have the oversight on the timing. With regards to processing claims that are, have a full and fair review, the TPAs have appeal processes in place 
There's a hierarchy for appeals. Uh, if they have the first level, we would assist in reviewing a second level appeal. We have to make sure that if claims are potentially going to be denied and they may be over 10,000, did they have a medical review, an independent medical review done? So there are protocols for full and fair review. If they are declining something, they have to state it, refer to the exclusion that is within the contract, and there has to be a right to appeal. You mentioned TPAs several times, and I think most people listening to this podcast might know, but there may be some. I, I guess it would depend on how your company set up as to whether or not you're really dealing with TPAs, meaning third-party administrators. And they are, in a sense, an extension of of the company in, in a lot of ways. I mean, they're administering the work. Uh, sometime issuing and underwriting coverage, and it's important that that they comply with regulations and, and the standards of the company. So there's a compliance aspect there. How do you how do you keep them in check? Like, what are the checks and balances? What are your uh, your your internal and external monitoring and and auditing? What capacity would you say the compliance team assists or guides the claim team with regards to internal and external monitoring and, and auditing? So that that's really critical, Karen. It's an undertaking if you are managing yourself. But when you are now relying on a, a business associate to do what you are not doing yourself, there's a lot of faith put into that business associate. So the first thing is we, before we enter into any kind of an agreement, we will do a due diligence questionnaire with that perspective, whether it is a third party administrator or managing general underwriter, an MGU, or if they're one of those that are a combined shop where they are an MGU and have a claims payment entity within it as well. The due diligence questionnaire is submitted and there are numerous questions on this. It's several pages. I think our document is probably close to 35, 36 pages. And it asks a lot of them, including whether or not they have an internal compliance department, uh, do they have the appropriate licensing, uh, complaints, so they would have to provide that, make sure that they have the, the appropriate levels of insurance coverage, you know, the errors in emission, general liability, and now uh, in today's society, whether or not they have cyber insurance. So we would, we would ask them for all of this proof. They get fully vetted, they get fully onboarded, and then after that, we have, with our team, we would do, a, first of all, a monthly call with these TPAs, making sure everything is in a line. Uh, they also provide us with their monthly reporting, which also would include any of their appeals, grievances, attorney letters, Department of Insurance complaints. And then based upon the volume or the size, we will do an annual audit. And in that, we 
again, ask for a host of information. We want to make sure that they're fully licensed in all the states that require licensing and or registration as a TPA. We want to make sure that those are current. None of them are in arrears. We also, as I said, we're, we're, we rely heavily on monthly reports. We also take a sample of their claims. Uh, part of that is to make sure that they are administering the benefits to what is in the policy, policy benefits, policy exclusions. Uh, it also tests to make sure that these claims are paid timely within state prompt pay guidelines. So that's on a yearly basis. If somebody has a higher volume of claims, we will we'll bring in 10 files a month just for that reason. On top of all the reporting, we want to get a sampling because we want to, we want to be able to look at between 10 to 15% of total paid claims in-house. So it is a constant monitoring, monthly, monthly audits, yearly audits, a due diligence setup. And if somebody winds up in a, an unsatisfactory situation, uh, uh, score-wise, they're, they're put on immediate remediation. So if any of these, if they need their licenses, if they're not meeting turnaround time, uh, if their payment, if their score is, is not where it needs to be, we, we, will, we will give them six months to, to turn it around and we'll follow up with another audit. So it's, it's a lot of hands-on. It's intensive hands-on managing of these associates. It, it sounds like it, you know, and, and I'm glad you elaborated on this because I, I think this, that, re, that relationship is one that, that often doesn't get talked about uh, sometimes in the compliance circles. And I think it's, I, I think our, the association could be very useful in that regard, in the setup of these TPAs. And, and you'd be surprised how many insurers are set up to work that way. So yeah, I appreciate your elaboration on that. Great. How do the compliance and claims teams respond to DOI complaints or other legal or regulatory action? Well, we, we work in concert with the compliance department as it should be. The Department of Insurance complaints can come in in a few different ways. They could come in directly to the carrier with the carrier named uh, in the complaint, or it could come in through the third-party administrator with them named in the complaint, but on a claim that is on access paper or any carrier paper. If the third-party administrator receives that uh, as part of their uh, agreement with the carrier, they have a certain amount of days or hours in which to notify us that they have a complaint. Hey, we received a complaint from Florida on John Doe. They will give us notification of that. They will gather the file, put everything together, and usually they'll send it to the carrier to make sure that the response is accurate, that it is hitting upon all of the requested items that the state has asked for or the member has cited in the complaint. And we work with them to make sure that it is an appropriate answer and a timely answer because we do not want to be late on any of these responses. If the request comes in directly to the carrier, such as Axis, one of the compliance team reaches out to the claims team and says, hey, we've received this complaint for Florida for Jane Doe, and we see that it is ABC TPA. 
could you please check number one, see if there's anything with regards to claims? Because sometimes it's not necessarily claims related. It could be premium related or something that has absolutely nothing to do with claims. So we'll we'll take the first crack at it and take a look and see, are there any claims? Is this claims related? We would reach out to the third party administrator and say, okay, I need, I need the file on Jane Doe and I need a summary as to what is going on with regards to the items cited in this complaint and we need it by X day. And they will go ahead and provide us all the information at which point we would then coordinate with our internal compliance department who would then craft the response on behalf of Access and get that in a timely fashion to the Department of Insurance. And then if they, if the DOI has any follow-up questions, sometimes information provided to them sparks a few more uh, from them, or they may want to see additional information, which would be part of the complaint resolution. We would co coordinate with our compliance department to get that information to the Department of Insurance. Well, I mean, it certainly seems that uh, there is a lot of compliance going on within the claims department. <laughs> a lot of cross-functionality. We don't survive without the compliance department. I mean, they, they give us the bones and the structure of what we're supposed to follow, whether it is what is required by a TPA, regulatory-wise, what the guidelines are with regards to timely, timely payment of claims, fair processing, fraud, you name it. I mean, you, the compliance team, they are the structure that we go by. If we didn't have them, it would it would just be a it would be a mess. <laughs> it, would, it would be a free for all. <laughs> uh, is there anything else uh, that maybe I'm we we missed or we covered a lot of ground here or anything else that in closing that you wanted to mention or, or touch on or do you think we pretty much touched on all the subject. Yeah, I think we, we did, uh, I think we got through quite a bit of the items that cross over or we share, which, which is awesome. And uh, like I said, we, the claims team could not survive without a compliance department. They give us the ground rules for which to work under. And, uh, you know, in insurance, it, it's all about structure. And they're great resources. If we need to know Policy interpretation, maybe we haven't talked about that, you know, and I know we talked about collabor collaboration and, and, and language, uh, but there are some times that we would get questions in from a third party administrator on, well, what do you mean by this benefit? So we, you know, we would work with the compliance team with regards to trying to decipher what the intent of the policy is. Yes, this is payable. No, it's not payable. And these are the reasons why. The compliance team also assists us with, you know, working through through issues with the the TPAs. Maybe we have to sever a relationship, you know, and what are the guidelines for severing a relationship? It's always it's always great when you onboard um, a new relationship, but there there's sometimes um, times you need to offboard them, and what are the guidelines for that? You know, how do we how do we roll up a program? on the way out. You know, maybe maybe it's because we're no longer supporting that block of business. Potentially that third party administrator has been sold or acquired 
by another company and they no longer want to administer our business. And there are certain processes and procedures that we need to follow to make sure that the members are still protected while this rolls out. I'm trying to think of others, other items. I mean, I know the compli- compliance departments also work with making sure that unclaimed property is addressed. With regards to that, nobody's allowed to hold on to anybody else's money. So if a benefit check is issued at some point and it goes uncashed, if, uh, if a carrier cannot locate that member to verify that uh, they need a stop pay and a replacement check. After a certain amount of years, these monies have to go to the state's unclaimed property departments. Right. We can't keep that money. The TPAs can't keep that money. So that's, that's pretty big as well. So the amount of services the compliance team provides to the, to the claims area is multifaceted. And we, we are totally appreciative of everything they do to support us. Great. Well, Chris, I, I want to thank you on, on several fronts. Number one, as a colleague, uh, you've certainly been a, a partner in, in the work I do and that we do at AXIS. And I also want to thank you on behalf of the AICP. We'd love to have you uh, come back and, and maybe elaborate in a session or two at, at some point uh, uh, in the future um, to talk further about some of the subject matter that we touched on today. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the feeling is mutual. I think we have a lot of respect for each other. And between our two teams, we we definitely get the job done. And I'm so thrilled for this opportunity to meet with you today and would welcome coming back to discuss any of these topics in more uh, detail if that opportunity arises. So thank you as well, Karen. Great. Thank you.